Coming up on the Rami V podcast, I explain why the Jets need to go for Aaron Rodgers and stop messing around with Derek Carr. Also, NBA All-Star Game recap. Did you watch it? Did you like it? The storylines, Mac McClung, Jason Tatum, and how can we fix the NBA All-Star Game and make it better? And some storylines for the stretch run of the NBA season. All that and more coming up next on the Rami V podcast. Stay tuned. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One of the things I talk about on this podcast a lot is the stigma against mental health. I think, unfortunately, there has been a stigma, but we're slowly breaking it. And if you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, or maybe you just want to talk to someone, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help access your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Plus, you can exchange unlimited text messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. So I talk about on this podcast how your mindset towards things changes everything. One of the things that I learned in therapy was that join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Rami. That's my first name. That's BetterHelp, B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash R-A-M-I, my first name, Rami. If you use that link, the link is in the description in the podcast notes. If you use that link, you'll get 10% off and it'll also help me out. So please do that. I'm telling you it's worth it. Do it today. Welcome back to the Rami Lavie podcast, episode 138. It is presented by BetterHelp. Today is Wednesday. It's February 22nd, and I'm fired up. This should be a good show. It should be a fun show because I just uh, got into it with a caller on the fan. I just finished working, and in the last segment of the show, or second to last segment, there was a caller who called up to say, Lamar Jackson should not take the most possible money that he can get from the Baltimore Ravens. He should take a f- team-friendly deal and a bit discount of about $130 million. He said take $120 million instead of taking $250 million so that the Ravens can go put a better team around him. And why should Lamar take all that money and blah, blah, blah. And we answered him and the host was nice about it. And I then said to him, I said, do people come to you your work and tell you what you can and can't take as a raise? The NFL is a league where it can end for you at any second, your time, your career. And you want to show up and tell people that they can't take certain money if they deserve it, if they've earned it. You're telling them what they can and cannot take. Well, that makes no sense to me. I'm sorry. Well, that got me all kinds of fired up. So that's how my evening's going. How's everyone else doing? <laughs> um, yeah. By the way, I apologize about my voice. The I, the weather, so this week, it's like 50 degrees today. I think it's supposed to get to 70 degrees on Thursday before it snows and it's in the 20s on Saturday. So, yeah, if you wonder why my voice sounds like this, probably the shifting weather every single day. 
Um, but as far as Lamar Jackson, just getting back to that, Ravens fans and anyone listening to this, the last caller of the show today did say he's like, they should just get rid of him. He's not that good. He throws balls into the dirt. Lamar Jackson is a superstar. He's an exceptional talent in this league. And for anyone who thinks that Lamar is, quote, not that good, I'm sorry. You're, you're just not watching the same sport as the rest of us. And the bottom line is you need a quarterback who can make it all happen on the field in order for you to win. And if you don't have one of those elite quarterbacks, you're not going to win in this league. That is the truth. We saw what happened in the Super Bowl. We saw who made it to the Super Bowl. Maybe Ravens fans are spoiled and they don't remember what it's like to not have a quarterback for a bunch of years. I don't know. They went straight from Flacco to Lamar. It was all pretty good for them. But let me remind you, I'm a Jets fan. I don't know who needs to hear this. But these are the Jets' starting quarterbacks since 2011. These are guys who started games for the Jets since 2011. Not a single one of them has a winning record in games started since 2011. And here they are. Number one, Mark Sanchez. Number two, Greg McElroy. Geno Smith. Michael Vick started three games for them. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Bryce Petty. Sam Darnold. Josh McCown. Luke Falk. Trevor Simeon. Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco, and Mike White. 13 quarterbacks in the last 11 years for the New York Jets organization. That doesn't include guys like Chris Strebler and also uh, who'd they have? They had Tim Tebow. And you want to come here and complain about a quarterback who was an MVP like Lamar Jackson? And this is exactly why. This week, the big story, the big headline, what everyone's talking about in New York sports, is Derek Carr's visit with the Jets. Derek Carr is a nice quarterback. He's a fine quarterback. Derek Carr will save your job if you're Robert Sala, probably for the next year or two. If Derek Carr is on the Jets this year, I bet they win 10 games. Congrats. Clap it up. Maybe they make a playoff game. And maybe, who knows, with the way Buffalo played against Miami, you're starting to... Get into a lot of what-ifs at that point. But with the way Buffalo played against Miami, maybe the Jets win a playoff game. But that's not, that's not getting you anywhere. People are saying, how do you let him walk without a contract? He, he guarantees like he's there right now. Get it done. We don't know what Rodgers is going to do when he comes out of his silent and darkness retreat. Who knows what's going to happen then? Let's take the sure thing with Derek Carr right now. And I tell those people, I would rather wait and lose out on Aaron Rodgers, or lose out on Derek Carr, rather, and not get Rodgers either, than sign Derek Carr today. You're going to need to go into Arrowhead and win a football game in January to win a Super Bowl in the next 10 years, probably. You never remind you, the last five years, the path went through Arrowhead. Every year for the last five years... Patrick Mahomes hosted the AFC Championship game, and he's not stopping now. The only two guys to beat him are Tom Brady, and it took an offsides call to beat him right in that game, and Joe Burrow in the second half where Patrick Mahomes just disappeared, and still one of the great unknowns in the NFL, what happened to Patrick Mahomes in the second half of that game. That's it. Those are the only two guys who ever beat Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead, in the playoffs. They're actually the only two guys to beat him ever in the playoffs because Brady beat him in the Super Bowl, the one Super Bowl that he did lose, right? It was also Tom Brady. So 
This idea that you could have a guy like Derek Carr, who's, by the way, 1-8 in his career against Patrick Mahomes, come in and win you a Super Bowl, it's just not going to happen. It just doesn't happen in the NFL, especially not in the AFC anymore. So you could say, yeah, well, if you're Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, you could say, I don't know, do we wait on Aaron Rodgers? Here's the thing. All coaches eventually get fired unless you win. So Robert Sala, yeah, I kicked the can down the road a couple of years. Derek Carr. And in two years from now, you're sitting with the same quarterback, Derek Carr. You made a couple of playoffs, maybe got bounced in the first. Maybe you made it to the second round. Maybe you were really lucky, and the running game and the defense got you all the way to the AFC Championship game. And then what happened? You lost to Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. Eventually, you're going to lose your job anyway, if you're Robert Sala. Yeah, it might save you for a couple of years. And by the way, Derek Carr, he's a fine quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's not bad. But all these numbers that people throw out, these numbers are inflated because he's playing from behind constantly. You want to talk about how he had no help, he had no defense, the defense there stinks, right? Well, part of the defense stinking is why he's always having to just air it out late in game. So, of course, he's going to throw for a ton of yards. It's just how it is. And so, to me, Derek Carr doesn't get you any closer to a championship game or to winning a Super Bowl than you are today. You need so many things to fall right for you, and that's not what you're going for. You're going for a championship. And so back to the Ravens for a second. Lamar Jackson is one of those guys. He's one of those rare talents who can go into a place like Arrowhead and actually win a game. Has he done it yet? No. But he's an MVP. He's uber, super talented, special type of talent. And you want to just give that away? For what? I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. doesn't make any sense to me at all. And... If you're the Jets, a lot of people are saying, well, Derek Carr, it's a long-term answer. Aaron Rodgers is closing on 40 years old. Let's say you have Rodgers for the next two years. This is another point that people brought up, right? If Rodgers for the next two years, then what? Well, would you rather the then what after two years of Rodgers and the question marks that will come up then? Or are you going to be looking at a 35-year-old Derek Carr at that point? And if Derek Carr doesn't excite you, which he doesn't excite me at 33, he's not going to excite me very much at 35 in two years from now. So the people are saying, oh, well, Derek Carr's the long play. Is he really the long play? Because we might be having the same exact conversation about a quarterback for the New York Jets, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Derek Carr who comes in this year. So like I said, you have to go get Aaron Rodgers. It's Rodgers or bust, unless the Ravens are stupid enough to trade Lamar Jackson, which they might be. If they're stupid enough to trade Lamar Jackson, fine. We'll take Lamar Jackson off your hands gladly. And I saw a bunch of people saying, well, Justin Fields is going to be traded. Should the Ravens trade for Justin Fields? Justin Fields doesn't make sense for me if you're the Ravens because we don't know what Justin Fields is. Justin Fields is a very good runner, but we don't know what he is. So why would you want to take a guy who's already two years further, right? Because you're going to have to pay him. You're just going to get into the same situation. We're going to have a guy who you don't know what he is in Justin Fields, and the Ravens aren't going to want to pay him. Why would they want to pay him more than they want to pay Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson, you know what he is. You know what his ceiling is. You know what he's capable of. He's an MVP when he's at his best. Justin Fields hasn't done anything. So why are you moving up the timeline for you? And by the way, the Bears getting rid of Justin Fields and people clowning on them, that makes sense. Because if he's not going to be that guy who's winning you a Super Bowl, and it's definitely easier to win a Super Bowl or to at least get there from the NFC, you don't have the quarterbacks. You don't have Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence you could throw in there now. You don't have that in the NFC. So I get saying, ah, this guy's good enough. We can win a bunch of games with him. And I think Justin Fields is probably good enough. And you probably can win a bunch of games with him. 
but he's not the difference maker. He's not Jalen Hurts who's going to get paid this offseason. This is what you do. This is what good teams do. They take care of Jalen Hurts. By the way, another guy, we haven't heard a contract about him yet, but two years from now might be available, Joe Burrow. We really trust the Cincinnati Bengals to take care of him? They're the Cincinnati Bengals. What in their history has shown you that they're going to make the right decision, do the right thing? But again, Joe Burrow is one of those guys. It's one of those guys you don't give up on. Either way, speaking of the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator from Kansas City, was hired not as a head coach, but as an OC in Washington. And everyone's happy for him. Everyone wanted him to get a head coaching job, and it feels like this will give him more of an opportunity, right? Because you can't talk about uh, Patrick Mahomes. You can't talk about Andy Reid and him leaning on those guys if he's in Washington. Now everyone's happy for him but LaShawn McCoy. I don't know if you've heard some of that stuff, but that's that's wild. Um, I, for me, though, no one's really talking about this from Eric Bieniemy's perspective. Yeah, people are happy that he got a job. It felt like he's been the number one name. and He's gone through the ringer the last bunch of years, and nobody's hired him. And who knows why? I listed a bunch of reasons why, potentially, on last episode. But to me, what's the upside for him? Leaving a guy like Patrick Mahomes, leaving a guy like Andy Reid, and now he's in a new system, new place. It's all going to be his. But he doesn't have the talent he had in Kansas City. He doesn't have anything remotely close to what he can do. And, oh, in a year from now or less, the team can get sold and the entire coaching staff can get dismantled and he'll be out of a job. He wasn't getting a head coaching job. He wants to show what he's capable of by being an offensive coordinator. But Washington, is that really the best spot to do it in? With that dysfunctional organization? And I heard from a D.C. fan who kind of knows what he's talking about that this was probably a move by Dan Snyder to try and keep the team now. Bring a guy in who none of the league would hire and say, look, oh, look, I'm progressive. I brought an African-American offensive coordinator who no one else would hire. I brought him in here. And maybe if a new coach or a new ownership comes in, maybe Eric Bieniemy does get the head coaching job. That was another thing he suggested. But just a curious move. Um in my opinion, for that to happen. Just it's interesting that he would leave a situation that seemed like a really good situation to now go and join an organization that, yes, maybe if he's really great, maybe he can change everything and he, he can make a bigger name for himself, I guess. But um, like I said, it, it doesn't sound like it's a great opportunity but where else was he going to go? I don't know. It it feels like a lateral step, but at the same time, it kind of feels like a step backwards. Now, the NFL is always going to have storylines. what they do. The whole offseason, they take over the headlines. But one guy who made headlines for about 20 minutes and now not really being talked about as much was in the NBA and Mac McClung. Anyone watch the All-Star Game and the Slam Dunk Contest and the Three-Point Contest? I did. I need to get other hobbies, but I did. I watched it. So Mac McClung, 100% impressive. Loved it. Super cool. Great for him. Uh, happy for him. But at the same time, all these people who, they actually said on the broadcast, I forget who it was. It might have been Reggie Miller. Probably not because he's a bad broadcaster. But somebody said on the broadcast, he's like, you just have made a name for yourself. Yeah. You're in the spotlight, kid. Welcome to the NBA for the next 48 hours. And they literally said that for the next 48 hours because everyone's going to forget about him. He's not good at basketball. 
he probably can't dribble. He probably can't pass. He probably can't play in, the, in a system. He probably can't play defense. I don't know this for a fact. I just know that his, he's a dunking sensation and that's it. But the NBA slam dunk contest is broken. Forgetting about the guy, guys like LeBron James and John Morant participating, they're scared to lose to a guy like Mac McClung. But even a guy like Anthony Edwards was asked during the All-Star game. He's a young kid. He's 21 years old. He's got swag. He's like, nah, I'm never going to do it because there's no incentive for them to do it. Why would they do it? They might lose to Mac McClung, so why would they want to do it? And somebody pointed out, I think it may have been Craig Carton who said this on the air. He said, well, these guys are such special athletes. The way they get to where they are today as incredible athletes at this level is by taking risks and taking chances. So if they put their mind to it, they could probably beat Mac McClung. They could come up with something better. Just like they dedicated themselves to being better shooters and dribblers and all-around NBA players than he is. I'm sure that's true, but why risk it? So they didn't risk it, and they're not going to. The NBA All-Star game in general was kind of just kind of lame, and it, it's it's a shame. It's a shame that the NBA All-Star game has turned into this. There was uh, a clip of Kobe Bryant um, talking about how he wished the NBA was competitive. He said, we rent out gyms at UCLA, and it's so true, during the offseason, and we have more competitive games than this. Everyone's like, oh, well, they don't want to get hurt. You don't want to risk injury, all that stuff. And I get that. But I've seen the videos on Twitter and Instagram that get posted every summer. A bunch of NBA guys show up at a random Lifetime Fitness in New York or Equinox or whatever it is. And they show up and they start balling out. They're ding each other up and they get into it and they're super into it. They're not scared of injury then, you're going to tell me? They're not scared of injury? when that That's for nobody. There's nobody watching. The league has to figure out a way to fix this. And by the way, I know I could change the channel. I don't want to be the old guy who's like, oh, you have to fix it. I get it. I'm, no one's forcing me to watch. No one's staying there holding my eyes open. I get that. But still, I don't want to watch that. Who wants to watch that? Really, I mean, I don't know. For the Lakers, it probably just and their fans probably just felt like a regular Laker game, though. No defense. LeBron took him out himself out when his team needed him most. Right, they're down at half, and he doesn't come back for the second half because he hurt his finger. So, I guess for Laker fans, it kind of just felt like a regular Laker game. Um, I guess. Uh, otherwise, other than that, um, Jason Tatum was impressive, and. When you talk about Kobe Bryant, if there's one person who can save the NBA All-Star game, who can fix the NBA All-Star game, it's Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is debuting his new shoe, and it felt like it was premeditated, but he's debuting his new shoe. He has an encore interview five minutes before tip-off. He's standing there really like 30 seconds before tip-off. He's talking about the new shoe, and he's talking about Kobe Bryant, who he loves, and the award was obviously renamed to the Kobe Bryant uh, All-Star MVP. And he went out there, and from jump... He had an intensity and a look in his eye different than anyone else on that floor. And when LeBron throws the alley-oop off himself, right, off the backboard to himself, and he throws it down, Tatum comes down the next possession, the very next possession, and does it to himself also. He's like, whatever you can do, LeBron, I can do better. And it was better. He didn't bobble the ball when he got it back. Stop hating on LeBron. Just kidding. Yeah, whatever. But Tatum throws it down, and you could tell he was gunning for it right away. And right from the start, he was going for it. And one of the coolest parts was him against Jalen Brown. Because it was almost like, hey, come, let's we're going to go one-on-one right now, you and me. No one else is going to play defense. Everyone else is going to stand around. Give me a reason to play defense in this game, and I'll do it. It was, it was almost like 
he was at like he felt uncomfortable if he just started playing defense on everyone. But when it was him and Brown, he was going to play defense against him, and they went back and forth. And yes, everyone was standing around watching, and I saw a bunch of those memes, like what the screenshots of everyone standing around while they went one on one. But that wasn't a bad thing. That was a good thing. And by the way, it's the benefit of no East versus West in the All Star game. But it felt like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were trying to trying to send a message collectively to everyone else in the league. They're both going one-on-one against each other, and they're looking at everyone else around them and saying, yeah, this is what we can do. This is us going against each other, playing tough defense and also dominating each other, and yet still, we're both scoring and we're both having incredible feats offensively while we're both being up. And this is just two of us. We get to play with each other every day. This is what we're capable of each individually. You guys aren't beating us. We're going to the finals, but a guy like Jason Tatum is exactly what the league needs. It means something to him, the All-Star game. It has the Kobe name. And if more people, if he's the next face of the league and more people, that's what it takes. It takes the face of the league to buy in and take it seriously. So Team Giannis doesn't have Giannis playing for them, and Team LeBron doesn't have LeBron playing for them. And LeBron can say whatever he wants about these are the most important games of my career. You don't care. If those guys don't have the pride, if they don't have the will to try and make it something, then it takes someone. It was Kobe. Before that, it was MJ. Jason Tatum could be that next guy. He can fix the All-Star game. He drops 55 points. You saw he wanted to take it seriously. You saw he wanted to D up. He wins the MVP, the All-Star game MVP, the Kobe Bryant All-Star game MVP. He shouts out Kobe, obviously. And actually, for the last five years, because we talked about them being the team to beat right now, Four of the last five All-Star Game MVPs for the last five years. Going back, Steph won the MVP last year, and then his team won the finals. Giannis won the All-Star Game MVP the year before, and then he won the finals. That was the bubble year the year before that. But then Kawhi won the All-Star Game MVP the year before that and won it for Toronto, won the championship. And before that was Kevin Durant who won the All-Star Game MVP, and then the Warriors won the NBA Finals. Jason Tatum wants to be that next guy. He won the All-Star Game MVP and now he's gunning for the finals, and you know he wants that. I don't know if you heard what Mike Malone had to say about the All-Star game, though. And I agree, outside of Jason Tatum, I agree with Mike Malone. Here's what he had to say about the All-Star game. You know, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be a part of a, a great weekend, great players. But that is the worst basketball game ever played. How do you fix it? Uh, I don't know if you can fix it. You know, I mean, I give Joel and B, Kyrie Irving, those guys were like, competing. Jarrell was imploring some of the guys to play harder, to try to get some defense in, but um, no one got hurt. They put on a show for the fans, but that that is a tough game to sit through. I'm not going to lie. He's not wrong. It's not fun to watch a game like that. It's just not. And so, I don't know. How do you fix it was the question that was asked him, and he doesn't know. And people hated on him for that, but he's not wrong. He's right. And for all the people who are saying change the channel and all those things, I get it. I get it. You don't want me to watch. But there's something better than this. There's a better version of this. This isn't the NFL where you cannot physically play the game. What makes baseball's all-star game so special is that you, you can't go 80%. What would you have? Position players pitching it underhand? And then a guy in the outfield, instead of like running to the ball and catching it, he would run, then wait till it's really falling down, then dive to try and make a diving catch? That's what the MLB all-star game would look like if they tried to do something like this. That's how stupid this game is. 
So I don't want to complain about it. I'm not sitting here like telling you. Like I said, there were some great, really cool aspects of it. And Jason Tatum gave you most of those. I just want to I, I want to see more. Um also in the NBA, something interesting. Russell Westbrook signed with the Clippers, and we're doing the same thing. Who's beating this big three? Who's stopping them? And all the pictures of Kawhi and Paul George and Russell Westbrook. And the funny part is that, yes, Kawhi and Paul George have been playing at the top of their game, and the trades they made at the deadline are actually really good. Their gambling odds went down when they signed Russell Westbrook. Their championship odds were plus 1,100 pre-Westbrook and plus 550 to win the Western Conference. And then they signed Westbrook, and they're now plus 1,200 to win the championship and plus 600 to win the Western Conference. Their gambling odds went down after they signed Russell Westbrook. And by the way, Vegas knows. Don't tell me Vegas doesn't know. And how are Clipper fans and NBA fans going to do the exact same thing they did three months ago with John Wall? John Wall, all the pictures, I'm sure I could pull them up. I'm sure I could pull the clip of me talking about it on this podcast with John Wall. I actually want to, let me see. You go find it, what episode it was. Now I'm curious. I made myself curious. This is what I said about John Wall. I'm going to find it. It's in episode 72. If I can find the actual clip, I'll put it in here. But I said, this is what I wrote in my notes. John Wall, people love new things that make no difference. It's actually the first ever episode of the Rami LaVie podcast. I talked about John Wall and his new contract with the Clippers. Another thing that happened is John Wall, he got bought out by the Rockets. First, he opted into his contract also, and then got bought out, what was it, something like $47 million. He's going to go to the Clippers, and everyone's going to post their videos. And I saw Kawhi Leonard and Paul George all posting their videos. They got a former all-star guard. This is incredible. Is it really? It's John Wall. It's a guy who hasn't been an all-star in years, who hasn't played. With two other guys who, by the way, also haven't played. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. The Clippers are the ultimate what-if team. They're the ultimate team of, on paper, this could really work. If they all get healthy, if they all get right, it could really work. And people are going to get so excited over it. Well, we saw how that worked out last year with the Lakers when they got Russell Westbrook. And now it's the same thing all over again. A few months later, it's a different name. It's Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is not making your team better. The only way Russell Westbrook can make your team better is if he comes in and decides, I'm going to play seven minutes in the second half, in the second quarter, seven minutes in the third quarter, give you tons of energy off the bench, play my ass off on defense, give a full effort on offense also, and give the guys, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, a rest for those 14, 15 minutes a game. But if he's on the floor, if you think he's part of your closing unit, at the end of games and you're trusting him with the ball in his hands to make decisions, I'm sorry. He's not. He's not winning you any games. He's not making you any better. It's just not how it works. And I love Russell Westbrook. I'm not one of these Westbrook haters. I don't want to blame everything that happened in L.A. with the Lakers on Westbrook. I'm not LeBron James. I'm not going to do that. But to think that he's this guy who's turning you into, oh, my God, now, now it's a big three. It's the exact same thing we did with John Wall just three months ago, and people don't don't learn. They don't remember. And I hope I eat my words. I hope he changes his style and he can adjust and it can actually help this team because it would be fun. There's actually a bet now on uh, the Ringer put together this bet on FanDuel. It's any two of the following five teams to make the NBA Finals. That two teams from the Eastern Conference, the Bucks, 
and the Celtics, which I love because I, I told you I think the I think the Bucks are the team to beat, but I think obviously the Celtics are really, really good. I still I take Giannis in a seven game series. But it's between those teams to me. I don't trust Philly. I don't trust anyone else. I mean, Atlanta, Nate McMillan just got fired. By the way, that's such an interesting story. Nate McMillan gets fired. And how many coaches has Trey Young gotten fired already? Trey Young is putting up incredible stats this year. I think he's 27 and 10 on the season, something like that. But if you watch that guy every night, you know he's not fun to play with and you know he's a losing player. That's my thing about Trey Young. That's just my piece. They were 29 and 30, and Nate McMillan gets fired. How many times is Atlanta going to do this? before they maybe realize that Trey's the problem. And it goes back to the same thing. It's the public perception of these NBA players, of these superstars. People will watch highlights and TikTok videos, and they see Russell Westbrook with ferocious dunks, and they see Trey Young put, putting up, oh, he's 27-10. and 10. He's a losing player. He'll never be a winning player. He just isn't. Somebody, I think John Jastrzemski said, in a heartbeat, I would trade Jalen Brunson and Picks and RJ. I do a terrible John Jastrzemski, I found out. Maybe it's the cold. I'm going to blame the cold. But he said, in a heartbeat, you trade him for Trey Young. Trey Young's a real superstar. I could not agree less with John Jastrzemski. He has some crazy, awful takes. That's a, one of the worst of them. I would take Jalen Brunson a million times alone. Forget about all the picks and the players. I would take Jalen Brunson alone over Trey Young. I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's just facts. Um, but back to what I was talking about with uh, the bet from the ringer, speaking of John Jastrzemski. So, the bet was for either the Bucks or the Celtics to come out of the East. And in the West, it was for either the Clippers, the Suns, who obviously I think are the team to beat now, or Denver, who's the number one seed, and obviously Jokic will win MVP again uh, for the third consecutive year. So you have, again, the Bucks and the Celtics in the Eastern Conference, the Suns, the Clippers, and the Nuggets in the Western Conference. You're telling me I only need two of those five teams to make the finals to win the bet? That's a great bet. I love that bet. So I, I did take that bet. But let's not forget. Let's not forget. The Golden State Warriors still exist. Let's not sleep on the Warriors. The Warriors are fantastic. The Warriors still, if they get everyone healthy at the right time and they get everyone going, you're telling me that they are not going to turn into the juggernaut they were last year? This is not three, four, five years ago that they won a championship. This is last season they won a championship. I'm not I'm not so sure. I'm not convinced that they're just going to fall apart and go away. I don't know. That might just be me. Um, one other thing, by the way, I, I, I forgot to mention this about the All-Star game that I did like from the All-Star game uh, was the target score. The target score is supposed to make it more competitive because the fourth quarter all of a sudden you tee up. Why can't I get to that score before you? Maybe I have to go on a 35 to 15 run, but we see those all the time in the NBA. And yet still they didn't tee up. So now we know what target scores would look like in a blowout. This is the first time that the target score didn't work because it was a blowout anyway. But the target score is still great. The game just ended faster, right? They stopped playing. They still didn't play defense. I think the most, the weirdest thing, the most like discombobulated thing is the end of NBA games and the choppiness and the intentional fouling and all that. Target score takes all that out of the equation. Although teams would probably still start intentionally fouling so that the other team doesn't shoot threes. But I love it. The other thing, Tim, Tom Thibodeau would never take his starters out because there's no reason to empty the bench. We still have to get to this target score. So let's go balls to the walls for the next five minutes, get to this target score, and then we're done with it. We'd see f- so many comebacks. You saw even at the end, this game was a blowout. And at the end, Team Giannis almost blew it because they just couldn't get that last basket because they were shooting 
40 foot threes, which was fun to watch. And then Dame hits one and yay, it's over. Every game's a walk off. Every game's a game winner. It's kind of cool. I like it. I don't mind target score. Uh, and it's supposed to fix the NBA All-Star game. It didn't work this year. But it would be fun if they kind of implemented it into the regular season. That would be kind of cool to see. Speaking of the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau, Julius Randle was at the All-Star game. And uh, people hating on him. I mean, they were hating on him on the broadcast about him in the three-point contest. Stop it. He's laughing his way through it. I know his son didn't love it, but he's laughing his way through it. He knows he shouldn't be there. He's a 32% three-point shooter. He's just trying to have fun. And he wasn't the worst one there. Everyone's acting like he was the worst one there. There were guys, I think Kevin Herter was worse than him in the three-point contest. He, I think he was like third to worst. And he gets picked. He didn't get picked last in the in the NBA All-Star draft that they did, which was cool. A lot of people like that. So they took you know one step forward, two steps backwards on that because the game was way worse. But at least he had a cool draft. Cool job, guys. Um, that was fun. I don't know. I had fun watching it. And Julius Randle looked like he had a good time. Same thing, by the way, with with uh, Jericho Sims. Jericho Sims had an awful slam dunk contest. Not creative. Not really that cool. Like, we get it. You have a crazy vertical, and you're super tall, and you could stick your arms in the rim. It was cool. But, like, he did it twice. And uh, he afterwards posted on Twitter. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> I was just having fun. Like, you can hate on me as much as you want. I'm just out there having fun. And the last thing, just as a preview for the second half, because the Knicks are on a three-game heater. They're doing pretty well right now, and you hope they can keep this going in the second half. The lowest opponent's field goal percentage is the best defenders in the NBA, basically. And it's based on opponent's field goal percentage this season so far. Number one is Giannis Antetokounmpo holding his opponents to 41% shooting. Number two is John Morant. Number three is Nicholas Claxton. Number four is Draymond Green. Number five, Al Horford. Number six is shocking. It's actually Chris Apps Porzingis. And tied with him at six is Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly is a perimeter defender who's become one of the elite shutdown defenders. His IQ, ironically, because his name, Nationals IQ, his IQ on the court and in help defense and in pick and roll defense is exceptional. And he is the biggest difference on this Knicks team. They start again on Friday night in D.C., that's when the second half starts. I can't wait because I think the Knicks are going to get hot now. I think this is where the Knicks, they have their team. They have their identity. I think they go on the stretch run, similar to what we saw in the 2020-20 or what was it, 21-22 season, whatever it was, the COVID year, the empty arenas year, the four-seed year. I think we're getting ready for another second half like that. It's going to be really fun. I can't wait. RJ Barrett posted pictures. He was in the gym working out during his vacation working on that shot. Good for him, man. I don't hate RJ. I, I just want to see him to do, do well. Um, So I can't wait. The last thing, and this is something interesting. There's a lot of talk uh, about the new CBA in the NBA. Um, and it makes sense because there's going to be a new CBA. There's going to be a new collective bargaining agreement. And one of the things that was brought up is there's going to be a lot more money. And guys are going to be getting deals that $75 million a year, stuff like that, for the top players in the league. It's going to look absurd. Um, but the problem is, and the, I don't know if it's a problem, but it's something that fans care about, I think, a lot, is these players sign these huge contracts and then don't honor it. Kevin Durant's extension, his four-year extension, didn't even kick in yet, and he's already traded, he's already on a new team. So what do these contracts mean? And that's one of the questions people always ask when talking about NBA contracts. And 
So how is there something that we can put into the new CBA that can keep players where they are? So I suggested a while ago a team option for no trade clause. If you sign a big contract, you cannot be traded for that first year, that contract, no matter what. And that goes through the first year. So Kevin Durant couldn't be traded for this year or next year because that would be the first full year of the extension. I don't know if the players will ever agree to that. But when I was producing on Monday, I guess yesterday as I'm recording this, because I'm recording this now Tuesday night, um, they were talking about the Orioles and the Rays, how the Orioles said they want to be like the, the Tampa Bay Rays of of baseball, right? They want to be like the Tampa Bay Rays and always be competitive. The thing about the Tampa Bay Rays is you never get connected to the players. You can never get attached to the players because, yeah, we sign them and then we flip them once they get expensive. We backload all the contracts. We are always competitive, but you can never buy a jersey of a guy and think, well, he's going to be here for the long haul. You can't do that in the NBA anymore. Now, I know there's a lot of fans. It's the same fans who think that Russell Westbrook is going to help your basketball team and don't watch the game, stuff like that, stuff I complained about. And maybe I shouldn't be complaining about it, but the stuff I was complaining about earlier on the podcast that don't care. They root for specific players. Those guys just root for players and they don't care. Go wherever you want. But there's going to come a point in time where it's not going to be worth it for these franchises to give these guys these giant deals and it's going to start to hurt the league. It has to start hurting the league at some point. At some point, it's not good for the league with the way the guys move around every five seconds. There's always the next guy who wants out. There's always the next guy who opts out. It used to be it was just the last year of a contract. Then we saw maybe two years left to go. Somehow, they still got to do it. Now, before your extension even kicks in, you're asking out and you're asking for a trade to the next situation. The NBA is going to have to do something about it. I believe they will. I believe we'll see it in the new CBA. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out because the only way a fan but you want people to care about your product, part of it is buying the jerseys, caring about the players. Yeah, we, we root for laundry. That's true. But what was so important to the New York Yankees was keeping Aaron Judge this offseason, right? He's the face of the franchise. That's the one, one thing we can't have happen is losing him. I'm wondering, I'm just curious to see what that looks like in the new CBA and the NBA. Is it going to get better before it gets worse? I don't know. I think it might get worse before it gets better. Who knows who's going to be asking out next, but something's got to happen. Something's got to change. And I think they're going to do something about it. All right. You hear how I sound. I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning, tomorrow morning to work on the morning show Wednesday morning. So if you're listening to this, it's probably early Wednesday or Wednesday. Tune in. Maybe I'm on the air right now. If it's between six and 10. Uh, But I appreciate you all for listening. Thank you to all my sponsors. Hopefully we'll have a full length regular episode, although I got a lot going on. So hopefully we can get into a full episode on Friday. Maybe not. Um, But if not, until next time, whenever that is, I appreciate every single one of you for listening. And until next time, see ya. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your eyes Like I'm standing in the sky I see your subway cars and your old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go
drop down riverside See the birds flying on the high line With the sidewalks burning, we pray for rain in July I want the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks on a sold out night When the curtains close and the Broadway streets are alive your heart beat close, don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air when I land in another city And I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go, oh, oh, oh I change it up, oh, oh, oh Always on my own, I'm still New York I was God sent. I used to hit them courts, y'all didn't prospect. Take them long walks on my time spin. Just a kid with that empire, stay the mindset. Keep flipping off a blind deck. Dipping from the New York City's finest, yeah. Said I've been up on my New York shit. Walking down the block with my New York bitch. I can never leave my city, ain't nothing like it. Even if I do, though, I can never hide it. Top down on the west side when I'm driving. East side be the only side that I'm riding. I'm still New York. I'm still here.